today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. When we look at this allegorically, we can understand that, again, in our relationship with Christ, sometimes people say, you know what, I'm not worthy of salvation. Well, none of us are worthy of salvation. And some, even when you present the gospel to them, they they say, but God would never love me because you don't understand my life. You don't understand what my background is. And yet the reality is God does love and he loves to the uttermost. Let's move on. She says, I was the keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. In other words, she said my own physical attraction wasn't there. But we're going to find out really quick that's not his thinking about her. As Pastor David begins his teaching through the Song of Solomon, he'll be explaining how the love between this man and the Shulamite woman is allegorical to the relationship between Jesus and the church. The woman in this book is explaining how she doesn't feel worthy to be married to this man, yet he explains to her how deep his love truly is for her. You, as a Christian, though you are a sinner, you've been forgiven, and Jesus considers you his bride. You have great worth in his eyes. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Song of Love. One, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. You think, well, how far you know, can you go with that? That's, that's pretty cut and dry. The Song of Songs of Solomon's. And yet the reality is there's some commentators, they say that the verse actually could mean the song that was dedicated to Solomon or that was written about him, but not necessarily that Solomon wrote it. And there's a lot of scholars that feel that someone else actually wrote this song, although they don't really have a name for that someone else or a real clear reason why they're doubting that Solomon wrote it. They just kind of say, well, I don't think that Solomon wrote it. So for the sake of not having any kind of substantial argument against it, we're going to leave it with Solomon as writing the Song of Solomon. Oh, and by the way, within the Song of Solomon, his name is mentioned six other times too. So he is very incorporated within, within the text itself. Now, when, it, when it's called the Song of Songs, understand that that's a Hebrewism that, that again speaks of, again, the majesty and the greatness of it. Kind of like when we read within the scripture, uh, he is Lord of Lords, okay? Um, he is the Lord of all lords. He is the King of of all kings. Well, this is the song of all songs. And it's either Solomon's top song of the thousand and five songs that he wrote. He was a prolific songwriter. The best one of all that he wrote, or maybe it meant simply, this is the best song of all the songs of anyone. This is the top song. We're going to look at this and we're going to try and find that there's going to be an interesting introduction here of, of some of the characters. 
There's really three main characters that we find within the Song of Solomon. Maybe, you know, in the third one, it's kind of a group of people, but the first one that we come upon is the one that uh, perhaps in your Bible, it might be labeled the Shulamite woman. It might be labeled as the lover. One version I saw, or translation I saw, it just said she, and there was a he and a she, and they, they didn't give them any names or any direction at all. But anyway, the, the first one is the lover, the Shulamite woman, or she. The next main character is identified as the beloved, and that would have been Solomon or he. That's the place when we look allegorically, that would be the place of, of, of Christ. And then we have that third group, and again, it's identified in a lot of different ways, either as the friends, uh, the daughters of Jerusalem, others. Uh, so there's one uh, that even said uh, the friends of the beloved. So from chapter 1, verse 2, through chapter 3, verse 5, we read of this great growing physical desire, this attraction that's demonstrated by the lover and the beloved. So let's look at the text. Now, as we're going through the Bible in one year, there's not many books that we're going to be able to go through the entire text. Tonight, we're going to go through, hopefully, the entire text of Song of Solomon. Some of it we'll be able to speak about uh, a little bit more extensive. Some of it I just want to read to, to put it all within the context of what we're doing. So as we look at this here, beginning in verse 2 of chapter 1, and this being the woman speaking, the Shulamite woman, the, the lover, and she would say, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. In other words, she, it's, it's almost an intoxication, her love for him, his love for her. When it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, again, the interpretation, he, that's not just to come and Kiss, give me a little kiss on the cheek here, honey. No, this, this is a full-bodied, full-mouth kiss, okay? This is an in-depth kiss. This is, this is meaning business kind of a kiss, okay? So let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Oh, draw me away. Draw me away. It's like, you know, I'm in rapture kind of a thing. She says, I know that every woman looks at you and they're madly in love with you, but I want you for myself is what she's saying. And then again, uh, the, the next one, uh, the second portion of verse four, the, just a little phrase, we will run after you. They, they, they dedicate that or they, they apportion that to what uh, would be called the, the, the friends of or the daughters of Jerusalem. So the friends of the Shunammite woman or the daughters of Jerusalem. So she's saying, draw me away. And they're saying, hey, we're gonna run right after you. And the woman again says, the king has brought me into his chambers. Now, you, you gotta be careful with reading that and understanding. That's not that he brought her into the bedroom. It's more along the line, he has brought me into his courts. He's invited me in to, again, now I, I can actually build on my relationship with him. It's not that she's cast away from the, from the kingly court. Now she's actually been invited in to be at that portion. Also, it could mean even the chambers of his heart. He's invited me in to be a part of him. Then the daughters or the friends says, oh, we will be glad. We'll rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. And the woman again says, the Shulamite, she says, rightly do they love you. Oh, she's speaking to him. She says, rightly do all these other women love you. 
She says, I'm, I'm dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, don't look upon me because I'm dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. She begins to kind of fault herself. In essence, I'm, I'm really not worthy of his love. Uh, I've been working out in the fields. I, I haven't really been able to take care of myself. Life has kind of been hard and harsh on me. And I, I know some uh, of you, these daughters of Jerusalem, you, you're, you're more elegant and you're more beautiful than I am. Uh, it, and again, when we look at this allegorically, we can understand that, again, in our relationship with Christ, sometimes people say, you know what, I'm not worthy of salvation. Well, none of us are worthy of salvation. And some, even when you present the gospel to them, they, they say, but God would never love me because you don't understand my life. You don't understand what my background is. And yet the reality is God does love and he loves to the uttermost. So let's move on. She says, I was the keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. In other words, she said my own physical attraction wasn't there, but we're gonna find out really quick that's not his thinking about her. That's her thinking about herself. To her beloved, then she speaks. Tell me, O you whom I love, tell me where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. And, and for why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? In other words, why should I be over someplace else? Why should I run after somebody else? I'm looking for you. Now the beloved, he responds to her, oh, if you do not know, O oh, fairest among women. Wait a second. Didn't she just say, oh, man, I'm not the fairest. He comes up and says, oh, no, you are the fairest of women. Follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats behind the shepherd's tent. I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Okay, now that's kind of weird in our day and age. I've compared you to the horse over there, and you know, you're a lot better looking than that horse. Now, in our day and age, that doesn't make much sense, and that's not going to win you any points, guys. But understand, a whole different culture, okay? Understand, a whole different culture. I've compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. There's an adoration, there's a love that he's expressing to her. And she had put herself down so early in this whole conversation. And now he's boosting her and, and trying to encourage her. You know, it's, 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 it's said that whenever women and men stand before a mirror, women see the worst of things within themselves and men see the best of things within themselves. And I just got to say, that's, that's probably true with a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I think it's true. But again, I, I look at this Shulamite woman, I look at this woman, and she's beating herself up already. She's belittling herself already. And yet here he is, he's boosting her up. He's encouraging her. And we're going to see this all through the Song of Solomon. Now her friends, the daughters of Jerusalem, speak out again. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. So in other words, we're going to make you some necklaces, you know, some, some, some stuff to, again, make you attractive to him. The Shulamite woman comes back. She says in verse 12, while the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. 
A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies at night between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Now, we look at that right now and we say, no, I don't get that at all. She says, in, in essence, I, as I lay down at night, and I've got this, again, this bundle of myrrh there. I'm just smelling this, and it reminds me of him. He's on my thoughts. He's, he's on my mind continually at this point in time. To me, man, he's, he's, he's like a cluster of flowers, just something to, to be desired. Now the beloved comes back, and he responds, Oh, beloved, you are fair, my love. Beloved, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. And again, that's a positive thing, okay? That's a, that's a positive thing. He's saying, your eyes are just beautiful. They're clear. They're, they're just wonderful to be able to look at. Then she speaks again. Oh, behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, your bed is green, and the beams of your house are cedar, and our raptor and our raptors of fir. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. We look at this and we kind of wonder, okay, what, what exactly is she actually trying to speak and, and, and say there in all of this? Uh, when it says you're bad, uh, it's not so much the, the, the bedchamber and the, the sleeping place. Uh, it, it speaks more of a, of a couch, of a lounge. And when it says that it's green, again, speaks of prosperity, speaks of goodness. All of these things at this point in time, they are not married at this point in time. They are growing in relationship. So you've got to understand and see how that's, they're coming to know each other. Already their love is there, but again, we're going to see it growing. In chapter 2, beginning of verse 2, uh, he now responds, like a lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. You know, we, we would say the same thing. You're a rose among the thorns. Uh, it's the same kind of an idea. Now she comes back and she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. That means he's, he's, he's very pleasant he's, and, and productive. And she says, I sat down in his shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Now she speaks to her friends. She says, he brought me to the banqueting house or the banqueting table. His banner over me was love. He sustained me with cakes of raisins, refreshed me with apples, for I am love sick. So they had a time of feasting together. They came together. He brought her to the banqueting table. And he just, again, showered his love over there. They, they feasted together. She says, oh, man, no, no, it's, it's not that I ate too much. I am love sick. In verse six, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. So they're becoming more intimate at this point. We see you understand this. In verse seven, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, that's a weird saying. You look at that, what in the world? Do you mean? She actually says that three different times. This is the first of three times. And in essence, the best understanding we have is you, you need to curb your passions until the time is right. You need to, again, rein in those passions until it's time for marriage. Because again, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. So she goes on here in verse eight. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountain, skipping upon the hills. I 
look at this and I can just imagine the old uh, Shakespearean type, you know, and the guys are in the tights and they're running around. But uh, that's the weird visions that I have. Um, but uh, we, we look at this, you know, she's just excited about him. You know, she's, whether she sees this actually or she's just imagining this. Uh, she says in verse nine, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall and he's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. Now that's not creepy, okay? That, that, that means he's just trying to get a glimpse of her, wherever she might be. She's, he's just trying to get a glimpse of her. And she says in verse 10, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time for singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. In essence, he's down on one knee and he's got the ring out and he's asking her, will you marry me? Will you come away? This this is the time. Let's come together. And he, and and. Timing is everything here, man. Man, the flowers are on the earth. It's time for singing. The turtle dove, man, the fig trees, it's blooming. It's got the figs. Everything is good. Come on, let's go. Rise up, come away, my love. Oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This one, verse 19, uh, my version labels it, her brothers. Not sure 100% where they get that, but listen to what it says. Catcheth the foxes, the little ones that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Looked at that quite a bit. Best understanding, I can see that, again, even prior to their time of getting married and coming together as a husband and wife, there's still a lot of problems with temptations that can be in the world. The little foxes that can destroy the vineyard. These little things that can distract from the purity and, and, and the, 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 the honesty of their relationship together. Verse 16, she comes back and she says, my beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. And then she speaks to him in verse 17, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, turn my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of Bethar. Then beginning in verse or chapter three, we have something that prior to their wedding night, it, lo- it appears it, as though it might be a dream that she had. Listen to what it says, verse one of chapter three. By night on my bed, I, I sought the one I loved. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now and I will say and, and, and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me, and I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one that I love. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. You know, stuff right there, it, that brought me right away to, to Isaac and Rebekah, Remember when Eleazar went and found Rebekah and brought her down. As soon as she lighted down off the camel, Isaac took her and took her into the tent of his mother. And there they they made that commitment of marriage. They consummated their marriage right there in the tent. His mother had passed away. When when I look at that, and, and I'm 
thinking at this point in time that, again, this, this is a dream that she's had because, again, I don't believe that their wedding has taken place at this point in time. But then now in verse five, she comes up again with this charge to her friends, the daughters of Jerusalem. She says, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. So again, and she's had this very passionate dream of actually coming to him, him coming into her mother's tent and, and they coming together intimately. And she wakes up, man, she's warning her friends. She says, wow, be careful, be careful because of that temptation. Now, in, in verse 6, we see, again, a, a, a whole change of things. I believe verse 6 begins uh, kind of the, the moving toward their wedding day. Listen to the words of it. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like the pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchants' fragrant powers, powders? Behold, it is Solomon's couch with 60 valiant men around him of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh because of fear in the night. Of the wood of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself a carriage or a uh, palanquin. It's, it's what you, you, you carry with people holding the sticks. It's a carriage that they would ride in. He, he made it its pillars of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple, its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him. And what does it say? On the day of his wedding, the gladness of his heart. That's why I believe this all is coming up. He's coming in with this great parade. He's on the carriage as they're carrying him in on his wedding day. And he comes in now beginning chapter four, verse one, and begins to speak to her. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Remember he had said that before? But now he says you have dove's eyes behind your veil. Again, the veil that she's prepared for the wedding. Again, uh, his, his, his words to her as his bride. Then he goes into that, again, discourse again of how she looks. And to us, it sounds weird, but to her, it was melting her heart with every word. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from the washings, every one of which bears twins. That means she's got a double row of teeth. I don't know. And, and none is barren among them. Your lips are like a strand of scarlet and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. Now, I've got to stop here real quick, this whole idea about the two breasts. In the days of the Puritans, this was such hot stuff that you did not touch, that they allegorized everything. And what the Puritan said was what they're speaking about there, one of the Puritan writers is the Old and the New Testament. Verse six, let's move on. Okay, again, he continues on with his speech to his love. He says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Ammonah, from the top of Sanir and Hermon, from the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards. You have ravished 
my heart. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.